Welcome back to the Between Breaths podcast. The sun is shining here in North Wales in our new house. The podcast studio is slightly changed. We still do have the van, but I'm in buoyant mood, um, partly because of the weather, partly because I climbed up a mountain this morning and there is literally a mountain in my back garden. Our house backs pretty much on to give or take a couple of kilometers at Snowdonia. So a brand new playground to go out uh, and running and exploring in nature. I'm also excited because we have a very interesting guest for you uh, on the podcast today. Wibbs is a fellow Oxford Vantage instructor, but he also has like a vast education uh, that started off in nursing and has um, other expertise, particularly around movement um, and functional anatomy. And we will be discussing a number of things, a little bit around movement, but a big portion about using an understanding of breathing, the nervous system to help manage pain, reduce pain. And if you are struggling with pain, wherever that may be coming from in terms of injury or illness or whatever the thing is, this is going to be a really interesting one to listen to um, some really great practical advice. Um, my hope and prayer is that um, it resonates with you and you try some of the stuff and that ultimately it helps you with that pain. Um, so uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's what we've got to look out for in this, uh, in this podcast episode. Um, before we get stuck in things, I do want to just thank, um, I had so much great response from people recently uh, listening to the podcast. Thank you so much for that. Wherever you're watching it on YouTube, whether you're listening to it on Spotify or wherever it's, you know, it's on all those different podcast platforms. I would love it if you would give us a review because that does help with the rankings of the podcast itself. And, uh, you know, we can continue to get great guests on um, and get more and more and more great guests on um, when the podcast has a greater listenership and, you know, helps it with the growth and spread of the message. Hopefully the, the message and the overall theme for the podcast is helping you, helping others, and you want to be part of helping spread that message around, you know, how all aspects of of breathing and health and life can be uh, improved with a little bit more knowledge and understanding. So um, I thank you for those that have been listening. Those have been sending some very lovely messages about the guests that we've had on the podcast and you're in for another cracker. And also like to thank uh, the podcast of the sponsor, the continued uh, support from HVMN. I'm about to finish. This is one of my last bottles. I'm going to have to get a restock. Uh, Ketone IQ, if you can see there on the, those that are watching on the um, on YouTube. I think you can watch also on Spotify, can't you? But HVMN.com, uh, the Ketone IQ is um, a clean fuel source. It's ketones. They pass the blood-brain barrier. I've talked a lot about how this can be really beneficial in the acute phase of brain injury. There's lots of research and fantastic studies on that, but it's also great as a fuel source for energy um, in terms of for some of the, um, if you're involved in any endurance um, athletes or endurance sports, in particular like the ultra endurance sports, like myself, it can really stop you like craving all those horrible sugary things that we ultimately get to at some point. Um, I know I did when I was climbing Snowden nine times recently, um, but it's a, it's a great, product that I've personally been using one of the things that I've noticed most is the that sort of cognitive clarity particularly in an afternoon alongside improvement in my sleep when I'm consistently taking the ketone IQ from hvmn.com um, 
listeners you get 20 percent off i know a number of you have been um taking up that offer so um well done for that the code is very simply jacko but if you follow the link in the show notes which is hvmn.com forward slash jacko that code will automatically be added and you'll automatically get 20 percent off your order so head over to hvmn.com forward slash jacko and uh, get involved if you would look if you're looking to improve things like your endurance, improve things like your sleep, improve things like your cognitive um, focus, it comes highly recommended for me and a product that I personally use. And uh, yeah, just want to thank them for continuing to um, support and sponsor the podcast. So without any further ado, let's get into this episode with Wibs on the Between Breaths podcast. We enter this world taking our first breath and sadly, we leave this place taking our last and what I want to do with this podcast is to explore what happens between those breaths. I'm David Jackson, Jacko, and this is the Between Breaths podcast. So, Wibs, welcome to uh, welcome to the Between Breaths podcast. Thank you very much for having me on, Jacko. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, no, I'm excited because I don't have any guests lined up to talk about how breathing can influence pain, and you know. <laughs> That's an interesting area for for a lot of people, and particularly people that are in pain. Their ears are going to prick up to this, and uh, it's a, a really nice example to go. Someone might be listening, going, "Oh wow, what do you read? Breathing could really help with potentially what the pain." Okay, we can go into all that, but um, yeah, that's that's one of the things we're going to go through um, today. You've got you've got a fascinating background for the listeners that maybe haven't come across like your work and your Instagram. Just give them a bit of background in terms of uh, just who you are, where, where you work now, and, and and the types of things that you're doing. And you've got quite a a variety to yeah. your education, which are that you know functional anatomy, um, anatomy motion, the oxygen advantage, yoga. Give us a give us a bit of a whistle stop tour of Wib. You you know, it could be uh, <laughs> off air. We went into. I was like, Wibs, that's an interesting name. What's the story behind that? Is that actually your real christened name? Anyway, you can do that. I wish it was. Well. <laughs> I wish it was. No, Wibs is just short for Alex, is what my normal answer is to that, just to make people feel that confused. That's another question. Going, Hold on a minute. I don't know if we've got Alex. They call themselves Al. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I go with Wibs. Um, <laughs> yeah, my full name is Alexander William George. And my mum decided at six months, she didn't like my name. Cheers, mum. So decided to go with the nickname, which my big brother had managed to get Wibby from William as my middle name. So I became Wibby and then that turned to Wibs and then I've been Wibs for the last 30 plus years. So um, that's the whistle stop tour of my name. Um, And then that's leads me on to my, you know, my education, as you say. So I come from a nursing background. So for me, I know when we've chatted on my podcast with you, you know, we, we looked at like how your science background was so important for you know getting into oxygen advantage and yeah. how like the science scientific side of it was so important for me i'm a nurse as a background i've got um 15 plus years experience in coronary care so hearts and uh, emergency medicine so a and e's eds whatever you want to call it er's if you're in america uh and that's hugely influenced everything i've done because I got so fed up with working in a hospital and having people who had come in with, say, heart attacks. And this is where it started. But our treatment for them was just, here's five pills, crack on, you'll be right as rain. Yeah. And I was sitting there going, this doesn't feel right. Like, 
yes, we did give them edu- education for those who aren't watching, but like education on uh, like lifestyle changes. But the lifestyle changes, I mean, it was kind of laughable for want of a better word. Right. It was really, really, you know, not very good. It was, you know, how long ago we're we talking for this? So this was 2007, 8, 9, 10 type thing. This is where mm-hmm. I first, so I, that's Has where that I improved. My... Would you say not a lot of that at all? Probably not. (laughs) No, realistically, (laughs) we hope it will improve in time. It just takes. I mean, I hope so. I mean, this is from my perspective of what I'm trying to do to a certain degree. I'm working, and you know, we'll come back to my education two seconds. But like, I'm trying to work within the hospital, within the staff, to bring them breathing and bring them education around you know, my postural work and which we'll come to in a minute, but in particular, quite heavily around the breath work because everyone's knackered, everyone's exhausted, everyone's burnt out. They have no idea. But the problem is they also have net, like you would think, let's say that what we know, what we've learned from the work with Patrick, the work with, you know, for me, Brian and some of the others I've worked with, yeah. um, it seems so obvious and it's just physiology. So how is it that a doctor or a nurse doesn't know this or understand this to then impart it for themselves, but also in towards their patients. And so this is what I'm, that's where one area, which I'm trying to reach out more into is actually getting into the hospitals around the back. And if we can, from my perspective, if we can try to educate the staff better then they will be able to educate their patients on the one-to-one better whether or not that would ever change the actual overlying yeah education which we're supposed to give i'm not sure but i have definitely found that working in a and e as i do currently and i kind of show them videos of me doing you know five and a half minute breath holds and watching my oxygen sats drop to 60 or whatever and they all they all panic because they don't understand. They don't see, yeah. you know, as a nurse, if someone had oxygen saturations of 60, you would you'd be pulling the alarm bell. <laughs> yeah. You would be, you know, panic, panic, panic. But I'm sitting there calm as you like, just holding up a SATS probe and showing that it drops down to 60. And then I, you know, bring it straight back up and that it blows their mind. They can't get their head around it. So for me, and, but that has helped them suddenly start asking more questions and actually being able to see those patients who are lying in the beds with jaws slung low you know copd emphysema covid has been a hell of a one but you've got all of these people who they're blowing off all their co2 repeatedly repeat and that's just seen that, you know, there's no linking. Actually, his shortness of breath could be due to like a chronically low tolerance of CO, of CO2. Yeah, and actually, yeah. how can we obviously in the emergency situation, it's not. You're never going to change things properly or completely, but you can see vast improvements in people's, as you mentioned at the beginning, pain tolerance or yeah. their perception of their pain yeah. um their anxiety around why they're in hospital and and their condition because if anyone's ever had a, an asthma attack a, um if you're emphysemic or copd or whatever it is if you're in the middle of that it's terrifying yeah but knowing and understanding perhaps how slowing down could be so beneficial and you can sit and 
you can see everything yeah. just you right. know all the everything change let, I mean, let me share just uh, something well thank you for that and i know you're going to go into more as well but uh or just one one thing uh, for the listeners uh Wibbs there when he's talking about getting his blood ox to drop down to to 60 he knows what he's doing and he's he's definitely uh, yeah yeah he's doing it to make a point when we start to get blood oxygen saturation to drop to like 50s 60s there's a chance of passing out with the breath holding that we do with the oxygen advantage we're not it's not a competition to see who can get them the lowest so just making that Definitely point not. Yeah. i know some people if they're like i was at the city like you get competitive you're like right how low can i get my blood <laughs> and it's not it's not that but i had um i had an mri recently um where I'd had an MRI scan before and I was like on my brain. So it was a, it was 10 year follow-up from a brain injury. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I've done one of these before. It's no problem. Blah, blah, blah. But it was a, a more detailed scan than I'd had for. And it was like an hour and a half. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, and when I was in there, mm. I literally without being able to use my breath to calm myself down, I, I mean, I can get a little bit claustrophobic, but I haven't really had it for a long time. But if anyone's been in an MRI scan before, you're they like, are horrible. You're in it. They are. They are horrible. I didn't feel this before. I think one I've had before was maybe twenty minutes or something. Mm -hmm. But the there's the noise and there's I stupidly said to the I said to the nurse they should have known something. When before I went in, I said, um, "Is it all right if I fall asleep?" And they went, <laughs> "Yeah, that's that's fine." They should have gone. Okay, I don't think you realize what you're going to do. It is impossible to fall asleep in this machine. <laughs> like, it's literally. Anyway, so I halfway through, I mean, we're about 40 minutes in, and I'm thinking, I've got another 40 minutes of this. And I asked them, like, on the radio, like, how long have I got this? So, and you got, like, a red button to press. If you, I was like, I want to get the results on this scan, but I, like, I actually felt this is, I've never had this before. I was taking a breath, and it's almost as I was inhaling, I felt like, I felt like I was going to almost explode. I was worried mm -hmm. about my inhalation. And then when I was exhaling, I felt like I was dying and I was scared that I wouldn't then take, it wouldn't start. I wouldn't help. actually do another one. It was really, really, really weird. And I was like, so glad that I'd understood Done some work with the, with the yeah. So like, mm. I, I just focused on my breathing and spent an hour and a half just like, and you know, it was still very unpleasant, but but got, got through, through it. it and it yeah, wasn't yeah. I wasn't in pain but psychologically there's some funky stuff going on in my head and I don't believe I would have been able to um yeah I just wouldn't have been able to hack it without that so well I think yeah, what you I've said there that, that psychologically in your head though for me with you know I'm gonna jump kind of to pain to a certain yeah, just not in, de do. in detail do. but um so much of the time don't get me wrong there is obviously a pain signal to people who are in pain absolutely but most people think that when they get pain in an area it's because there is an injury and there's like most of the time there's not there's no real it's not really any injury like there's not really any soft tissue you know injury or like um you know bony fractures or anything like that but obviously there's a pain signal saying oh my god change something change something and then on to when you get that and if it happens repeatedly that psychological signal makes it repeatedly worse and you you before you even get to it you've already begun to feel pain because of that psychological like patternings and that loop and for you you know in that situation when you're in a um an mri and they are gross as you say i've only ever done 
like 20 minutes half an hour before um and that was enough for sure do you know what i mean you need to go another um, proper no, no you don't but yeah i mean i should give it a go and just see no, if no, I can, no, not really yeah, cope. um but yeah it's kind of for me this is where the work of the breath work is is so important because if you didn't if you don't have at least the ability of like a little understanding then very quickly that sympathetic brain and that kind of prehistoric brain just is going to take over mm. and then whether it be in that situation whether it be in the more pain and the, the anxiety of like knowing that there's pain coming so you don't want to do something it just takes over and then that just can end up ruling your life do you know what i mean it's yeah. like I'm, I'm, I'm thinking almost for someone like you that's you trained in um the oxygen advantage and mm. you're working as a nurse as, as well and and going what do we know that the simplest little things that are really effective to actually just to give us people working in a hospital or working in that type of scenario and environment just the skills to be able to confidently understand and then be able to say to to a patient to someone that is either stressed is anxious is um in pain like my my father when he was when he was passing away last year from, mm -hmm. from cancer like had a lot of anxiety about about dying um and yeah and and, and it's a whole other area but the some of the simple things of like well try to close your mouth mm -hmm. try to breathe through your nose because that's gonna you know it's literally going to change your brain state yeah let yeah. alone the nervous system and but this is just, for me it could just be that but yeah and this is exactly what you're saying for me that and it's easy do you know what I mean I've got like books galore around here on breathing and whatever else but like you know they there's so much you can potentially learn and know and whatever else but really for the 90% of the layman's like closing your mouth breathing through your nose and just trying to slow things down like it, it you don't need much more than that realistically and this is what this is the main thing I try to get across to my patients in the hospital. So yeah. one of, you know, there's one woman that particularly stands out for me and I was triaging patients, which is when they walk in the front door and, you know, you pick up the cards, you take them through, you find out what's going on and you can kind of either send them straight to resus if they're really unwell or whatever. She came with chest pain and she had like central chest pain so I yeah. brought her in and I kind of sat down and I listened to her story while I was taking her notes I was asking her questions I had her hooked up to the um OBS machine so I could see her oxygen levels I could see her yeah. finding out her history and obviously I've got the history in cardiology anyway so I've seen many many a heart attack but her story was just one of anxiety essentially did she think she was having a heart attack she thought she was having a heart attack her husband thought she was having a heart attack and so which is going to I make you feel of, anxious <laughs> because you think that's what's absolutely happening. and you think your husband thinks you're having a heart attack so then that adds extra anxiety onto the situation but anyway I so I literally was just like right so she was sitting on the bed and I was just like right while I'm making notes and taking bloods yeah. all you're going to do is close your mouth I just want you to close your eyes for a minute as well and you're just going to breathe and all you're going to focus on is your exhale I just want the exhale to be longer than the inhale nothing more okay because you're probably not going to want me to take some bloods from you. It's not very comfortable, but you're going to make your exhale yeah. one, two, maybe three seconds, whatever is comfortable longer than your inhale. Don't yeah. even have to count it. Just make sure it's not. So when she sits there and as I get all my stuff together, 
I can see on her OBS machine how the blood pressure has gone from being high, like, you know, when I say high, it's about 140-ish. Um, she was quite a youngish woman. And then, you know, it's going off every two. I said it again to go off about five minutes later. It started to come down, 130-ish. Heart rate's gone from 110-ish down to 95-ish, 90, yeah. somewhere and you could just see shoulders begin to drop melting. Yeah. everything begins to relax and then i had to do I had to do an ecg as well but obviously it didn't show anything but in her she literally just said i feel better already yeah. like that pain has already started to to disappear yeah. and so even if she had been let's say having a heart attack so she didn't and her pain begun to resolve purely through slowing her breathing down and yeah. breathing through her nose but even if she had been in pain because she was having a heart attack still again it's not going to solve the heart attack but getting her to nasal breathe and slow down like i did mm. will as we know open more airways uh, like allow more blood to be carried around better better nitric oxide all of these important yeah. things that we know which are going to actually open blood vessels which bearing in mind a heart attack is essentially a blockage to a, an artery yeah. and so it's kind of occluded and so even if you could get an extra one percent of paps opening you know maybe not even that purely yeah. through shifting how you're breathing yeah. she might get a little bit more and again i don't have any papers on this obviously yeah, yeah. but the physiology and the and the understanding is kind of yeah. the same that if you could potentially open vessels purely by increased nitric oxide intake you know increased CO2 carbon dioxide. Help. yeah exactly all of that stuff yeah she might be able to save a small percentage of her heart so i mean she might not end up with such a big heart attack and yeah. so yes yeah, she had no but she didn't have a heart attack she had an anxiety attack but even if we look at it at the worst case situation there would still be a huge huge benefit yeah. in that emergency acute situation to shifting into slower breath nasal breathing um yeah you know exhale dominant whatever you yeah. want to call there's, it there's something you, want I wanna, to... There's, you make a really good point so you pick up on and, and this is i think you down to one one element of it is you down down to you understanding the the principles which is what we try when i'm teaching the certification with the oxygen to try and get across to people like yeah there's a method in terms of there's exercises that will show you but actually the underpinning science of the principles is what's important so mm. and this is a really nice example to show this uh, and it'd be, I think it would just be nice for people to hear your way of explaining it rather than what I think might be going on. When, when you look at when you look at this, that there will be no white papers that you can search PubMed for. Uh, maybe there is, but there the probably isn't. Of like, you know, effect of uh, slowing down one's exhale for reducing the heart attack effects. Like, there probably yeah. isn't, but you can, no. someone can try. Someone, someone search and, and let us know. I've, I've searched similar things and <laughs> I've never really managed to find anything. But. <laughs> but but what there is, is there's 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 a number that would suggest things, and people have read, uh, like James Nestor's book, um, mm -hmm. or read uh, Breath, if they've read The Oxygen Advantage, they'll have come across some references to studies that say 5.5 to 6 breaths per minute is really good for things like heart rate variability, calming the nervous system down, all those things. And 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 the longer exhalation, uh, I'll let you explain about that. But people, something people have come across quite a lot would be four in, six out. Mm -hmm. And in that situation for that lady, that four in, six out is a 10 second breath cycle, six breaths per minute. 
there's plenty of studies I could show us that that would be the thing to do with it. But your understanding, I believe your understanding and your 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 coaching experience tells you a 10 second breath cycle is going to be too difficult for this person. Yeah. And therefore, I'll, the, the, the key thing I wanted to do is slow down that. And you said maybe just two, three seconds, whatever feels comfortable for you. I think there's there's a lot. Of, can you just unpack that a little bit for you know yeah, yeah. people listening to this that maybe coaches that go, oh, yeah, yeah, I for insects that is what we should do or there'll be people that aren't coaches that are, are just going why is the exhalation so important why is everyone banging on about exhales what's yeah. your yeah what's your spin on that well from my perspective i mean because i'm a nurse a lot of the clients who come to see me are people who i mean i probably see more uh people with medical problems than i do see people like athlete athletes now don't get me wrong i've spent my time working with professional athletes Ipswich Town Football Club like British heavyweight boxing champions all this kind of stuff and using breath work with them and that's all fine and four and six well the footballers they tend to be pretty useless but um, <laughs> um four and six well, breathing fine. as well as football yeah, just at everything just at everything um uh works pretty I love works footballers fo- by the way any footballers that are listening I love <laughs> footballers <laughs> yeah. um I, I, I don't like them the I don't I'm not a big football fan um but uh it works fine for those people. So if you're a relatively fit, healthy person, four, six can work absolutely fine. But most of the people who come to see me have not been that. Most of the people who come to see me are older women, quite often, and men, but mostly women. And if you ask them to breathe, if you just ask them to breathe in for four seconds, they have no clue how to do that. And it basically makes them more panicked and more more of a struggle than they would anyway. Um, and... Instead, what I, you know, the way I've ended up coaching things is to almost not worry about numbers. And if we know that when an inhale, when we breathe in, it essentially, keeping it simple, speeds our heart up a little bit and it kind of ramps our nervous system up a little bit. And when we breathe out, it does the opposite. So it slows us. And this is where that heart rate variability and stuff will kind of come in. But like, if we understand that the exhale is the down regulating is the down shifting is the moving towards our parasympathetic state yeah. then we can begin to go as you said it's the principle is more important than the practice so if we understand that we're going to just make our exhale longer it doesn't matter because if the person can only breathe in for two seconds without before they start panicking they have no ability to shift their ribs and to expand lower then they're probably going to be breathing more upper chest and they can probably only get one or two maybe three seconds maximum in and although you might want to address their upper chest breathing now is not the time for it it's like absolutely give them the thing that they need give them and and because what will probably happen off the back of this is by getting them to slow down and understand just you know if they kind of go yeah but they get a little bit of a longer exhale each time they're going to downshift anyway which is probably going to mean that a lot of the tension held within their system and their their ribs and their spine and their back is going to reduce a little bit too which is then most likely going to give them more ability to move breath lower into their torso and then be able to have more access to a long inhale and then an even longer exhale yeah and so for me in these situations it's very much like 
it, I know the, the principle behind it, i.e. the exhale is going to be the down-regulating bit. And I know this person, and I'm not going to, well, yeah, from my perspective, working within the medical world and then what I do at home, I'm not against hyperventilation practices by any stretch. I kind of do them on my own in my yoga practice. But most people don't need them. Most people for their health would be far better off focusing on down regulating. And so having this principle of just yeah. finding an exhale breath, which is I like the word subtle. I kind of use that in my practice a lot, but like yeah. finding a subtle exhale, which is longer than the inhale and just allowing that to as the word you said like allow them to melt a little bit and yeah. that's your that's for what me it feels like yeah, yeah yeah it does and for me in the hospital that's my in as soon as i see them yeah drop that's when i know we can then start i know that they've felt it and so they can feel the yeah. benefits already yeah. and then you can just kind of be like right now you know try doing this just try you know when you finish your exhale if it's not uncomfortable try a one second breath pause at the bottom yeah. just to elongate that yeah. moment a little bit more i was thinking um, yeah i was thinking there's uh as you're going through that there was a i've done a podcast episode a few weeks ago that was just talking briefly about like the three dimensions so like the biochemistry mm -hmm. the biomechanics and the the psychophysiological and and i think that often those three things get talked about and particularly taught separately, but then we forget to bring them all together that they all influence each other, like you're saying. But when um, when is the right time to just address one and you're addressing just that like down regulation part? Um, and then I was, and you, you've come to it, come to it then of exactly what I was thinking is, well, then it's likely that they're going to say, as you, she, oh, I feel a lot better now. And then whether they, she may or they may go, is there any other breathing things you can do yeah. for me? Or they don't, but then you go, you might also like this little exercise. And they're much more likely to then go and do that, surely, once you've given them that little really simple in. Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I mean, I don't, I'm pretty certain I'm not allowed and I don't like you sell my own business within the hospital type thing. But you know, I, what I do is I, I'm always talking to them about it. And the, the <laughs> thing I always get is, uh, why didn't I know this? Why has no one ever taught me this? Um, you know, diabetics trying to, I mean, I, I don't know if you know, Nick, um, from the breathing diabetic guy, um, works within shift, uh, and, all those kind of stuff but he's done some he's got some amazing right. he's a type 1 diabetic and so i talk about this stuff with uh with my clients and the th first thing they say is how did i not know this why is no one ever, why is the doctor never taught me this um and you know so i can't sell my own business within the uh, nhs i find so i will always i'll just write down go and buy and i write down like basically like not um the oxygen advantage or some of patrick's books whether depending yeah. on what they've come in with if it's yeah, like yeah. a copd it'll be go and check out these people because like it will just blow your mind as to as to where and how important this stuff is for the rest of your health yeah yeah um let's um just so circle back to my education well whilst uh, we i think we will just whilst we're whilst we're in that pain bit there's another mm. element around 
I'd just like to dig a little bit deeper on that and then we can then we can zoom back out to the other bits you know around posture and um, anatomy emotion and, and other things that you're trained in um but whilst we're on pain there was um i don't know the exact paper was, but i remember uh, dr cobb from z health performance referencing mm -hmm. um a study that showed they were comparing different breathing exercises to help with pain and there was um a two second inhale two second pause four second exhale two second pause so mm -hmm. sort of like four in six out but actually with pause at the top and bottom so two in hold for two four out hold for four uh, like an extended box uh, yeah and that was that was shown to be i can't remember the, it was like you know 10 minutes a day for blah 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 like it it was effective for you know specifically for pain relief um is there anything yeah is there anything more when we're talking about pain and how the breath can influence pain is there any other sort of specific things that you do as well as extending exhales and or um is there any things that you tend to see okay the pain that's in this type of bracket it, it works really well with it. and then if it pains this type of thing um it doesn't tend to work so well is there any yeah just what else what else so for me the way i kind of so uh, for me the big the 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 most effective way i find to give people a, like breathing for discomfort and pain is like essentially kind of set exactly what that paper showed i guess but like you know it's how can i find and it'll be very specific for that person but like how can i find an x is still going to be like the exhale dominated breath whether it be with a pause at the top or the bottom or you know that is still like for me it ends up being the most important thing but what i've been finding of late because as i as i said there's such a psychological element to pain within the human system yeah and that if there is quite often people who will come to you with pain um not because there's any injury but because of like how the body sits and then how the nervous system is then holding you in that space yeah. and so as i kind of mentioned before coming on one of my teachers helen hall i'm kind of learning a lot from her and we're looking at they're originally called primitive reflexes as people call them primitive reflexes or primal reflexes yeah. so it's things like the fear paralysis response and the atnr and there's all these bits and pieces but one of the things i found is so often with people probably a little bit like yourself in some ways who have had traumatic injuries to brain and neck and stuff like that yeah. it kind of seems to knock this reflex i'm going to call it a reflex because that's what some people call it but it's more of like a developmental pattern if you like right. that you develop as a baby as a child your rhythmical movements that you do as a child kind of teaches your brain about a movement but if that gets knocked then the brain then the body's perception of fear and anxiety right. in and around and that can then very much quickly lead to pain i've like there's a guy i can see where, straight away is it is it a brain stem thing do you know where in the brain it is um so it's to do it's a little bit to do with like uh in and around the ponds with the breathing it does relate to that right. um off the top of my head i'll have to go back and okay. check the book but um you can look so basically there's something called the moro reflex m-o-r-o 
Um, and this is kind of comes out of the fear paralysis that happens when the uh, kids, babies in, in utero. So just the exercise, really, like I'm going to put it out there, like I don't fully understand the neurobiology and stuff behind it all. Um, good. Stuff it's I'm good learning. that we don't, we don't have to understand everything. Good, that's fine. Right. All I know is how well it works. Well, this is the more oh. important thing. If you tell me something that's science backed but don't work, I was having this conversation with someone the other day that was, um, yes, oh, it was Luke from the Ice Bath Co. He was like, he has a cold bath, cold ice bath before he goes to bed every night. It helps him sleep, helps mm-hmm. him sleep dramatically, tracks his sleep on apps and all the blah, blah, and he feels, and he was like, um, Huberman says that shouldn't be the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was like, this is bad for my circadian rhythm. So a paper says, and he's like, yeah, but, I've done it and my sleep's way better when I do it. So I'm going to keep doing it. And it's one well, of those things of like, it's well, just... I always remember with the Huberman thing is exactly what, um, so Brian McKenzie, he always said like that him and Huberman, they do the same breathing pattern, which I think is just like essentially like an apnea, like a, uh, like an extended exhale. No, sorry. Uh, an extended hold at the top, I think. So it's an inhale hold, then uh, so it's almost like in for four, let's say hold for eight or 12. Um, and for one of them, it ramps them right up. And for the other one, it completely, so it, you know, it should be a fairly, you know, uplifting ramping thing, but for the other person, it does complete opposite. So, you know, it's all very well us having papers, but we've got to understand there's always going to be outliers. If something, work, if something works, it works. Exactly. That's my message. Yeah, exactly. So, so this exercise is done over a um, over a ball, essentially, like over a Swiss ball, yeah. um, and, and it's basically a breathing exercise. But you kind of lie there and you let your head relax. So you're lying, lying on your, you're lying so on your front, you're prone. Over, like you're almost in like a slightly fetal position. Do you know what I mean? You've kind of yeah. got the ball there lying prone and you, you rest, you're lying with your head almost rested onto the, your chin rested onto the ball. Yeah. And you end up just breathing. And the idea, and again, it comes back to an exhale dominant breath as everything always does, but you, you just breathe in. And as you breathe in and you, your body is moving against the ball, you, you find that the head, almost begins to lift and you almost begin to like extend at your neck. Right. And then as you exhale, everything begins to drop and the chin gets caught on the ball. And then as your breathing relaxes you, the forehead just begins to drop more and more and more. And so you end up with like right. putting this flexion into the upper neck. Yeah. And this has so, and my problem that I found with two or three of my clients who are complicated let's say there's so much going on with neck and head injuries and going back and they you know they are chronic fatigue chronic pain all this stuff they've spent thousands seeing all these like doctors and and specialists and whatever else and no basically everyone says kind of tough i don't know what else to do just don't do anything which sets you off yeah and yet doing that one exercise one one of them said her words were well i first week i did it i thought well, it feels quite nice, but I don't really know what the point of it is. <laughs> but then the following week, she texted me and said, I need to phone you. I need to speak to you right now. And so I phoned her and she said, I I don't know what that's done, but I have literally spent three days moving house. She was like, normally I can't hoover without being in pain and having to stop. Yeah. And all we did was and so i've given her breathing stuff in the past and i tracked her menstrual cycle to her breathing and she's done all of this and we've seen bits and pieces but yet the the even just focusing on down regulating breathing never seemed to be able to break her 
her nervous system down to relax and what i've learned about this morrow is that if that's not fully integrated then you end up it doesn't really matter what you do or how you do it and how much breath work you do that breath work in the immediacy will help you feel more relaxed but until you actually begin to reintegrate this this, this reflex and and it's it's crazy because you can see people's whole head and neck begin to actually move and this yeah. is where my anatomy and motion work and all the work I do of posture and stuff is, yeah. you know, I can see what is and isn't moving and how some structures yeah. in the neck will and won't move. And yet you do this and it's just a breathing exercise over yeah. a ball, essentially. Yeah. Well, that will allow us to segue into the, 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 the posture side of things. Um, I, I, just picking up on that before we do move into, yeah, yeah. into that side of it, there's um, something that I've found incredibly um frustrating now looking at what we what we know now but it's not even what we know now it's you know there's there's the literature dates back to the 60s i've seen i've (laughs) seen some dates back to the 1960s about how brain injuries or concussions Mm -hmm. or traumas to the head affect our breathing patterns our respiratory rate our entire co2 so it's it's not even like oh now we know it it's like well we did we weren't doing anything with it yeah everyone um, just ignored it <laughs> and i you know every time i had a concussion and a, and a brain injury and the, the last one that took me in 2013 you know sort of a year to fully get over my symptoms mm. um and over your symptoms we we know clearly from the literature that doesn't mean that you scan the brain and then you still show signs of injury but we you know in rugby we put people back onto the field as soon as they're symptom free which is just yeah looking crazy at the science now it's it's absolutely it's which it's just outright dangerous yeah um but yeah, I was, um, you know, top, go home, don't do anything. And actually mm. what we know is one of the things that's really struggling uh, is all those issues that will have caused to, to, to affect the, um, our breathing will have inflammation of the brain, uh, will have poor breathing patterns that will affect circulation, oxygen supply and blood supply to the brain. And we know that one of the biggest issues is the um, cerebral blood flow to the brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's certain things coming out, like I've got... Um, ketones um okay. the during acute phase of brain injuries like that bypass they just it, it's a fuel that the brain can just use immediately it just it bypasses the the need for the environment stuff for, yeah for, for glucose so it's it's been shown to be really effective for that i have got it ongoing for yeah. finding it helpful but um being told not to do anything that triggers any of your symptoms isn't going to help your breathing normalize isn't no. going to help you restore cerebral blood flow and isn't going to help you like actually recover and so there's things we know now around like low level aerobic exercise that helps with that but even better than low level aerobic exercise is because what low level aerobic exercise has been shown to be as long as you're not going to the point where you're triggering your symptoms is shown to be helpful during the acute phase and ongoing because by doing some aerobic exercise, low level, you're increasing circulation, blood flow to the brain. But we yep. can do that through some simple breathing exercise. So when Absolutely. I'm at home after my brain injury, feeling horrific and psychologically being told there's nothing you can do, when am I going to get better? We don't know. We hope you're going to get better. Maybe. It's like, mm. well, there's, if you give someone something like this is going to help, the science to prove it's going to help, I want you to do this four times a day for 10 or whatever the thing is I, i'm going to do it because i've got nothing else that i can do like i couldn't even read a book because the word to look at a book was yeah. too much information for for my brain um so yeah obviously i'm i'm uh, uh very passionate yeah. about that the thing the thing about going over the swiss ball i think would be interesting is 
Like there's, when we're talking about rib mechanics, um, mm. and you can go more into detail this in terms of the posture and stuff and rib cage positioning that we spend so much time, actually people talk a lot about like, you know, kyphosis and flexion and everything. But one of the things that we see a lot with people is actually a lot of rib flare and, and extension and poor, like lifted and forward rib cages. Yeah which reduces our ability to breathe into like posteriorly when you put yep. someone on that, I think there's a couple of things potentially could be going on as well. Um, when you put someone in that position, you're actually get asking the body to go, well, you know what, you have to breathe into the back a little bit more, which yep. is good. Yep. And I think one of the things that gets, you know, we're very poor, everyone poor proprioception of our trunk as a body yes. part or area. So having the, having that ball to like feel, feel. You know, pushing against you, it's without, cueing anyone with like breathing mechanics you're probably going to get see them breathing better as well i, I just absolutely yeah. i mean i think that's for um i don't know if you follow matt dewar or not i've had him on my podcast at some point he, he's um he works with it's not justin feinstein he works with one of the big really kind of a sort of og breathwork researchers in america and he's okay. he's super good he works with breathwork in schools in america and stuff but um you know he's kind of said that and he's shown so he does lots of co2 like um he's got a co2 like monitoring gear and all hooked up to his you know spent thousands on it but he was saying that like even just so the act of moving to nasal breathing isn't necessarily going to um you know what he's found with all his research and stuff doesn't necessarily isn't necessarily going to lead to like a better co2 tolerance etc but he he showed like he basically how he showed it on this kid was in exactly like you say about proprioception he basically got like a weighted bean bag and put it over their low ribs and then just said i just want you to feel like you're moving that i don't you're not going to count you're not going to do anything all you're going to do is just feel like you're breathing in and then that act of having just that little bit of proprioception completely changed the way they moved their ribs and their lungs and that completely then changed how their body responded with their co2 yeah. um yeah and so the links that's what we said before this is like but as you say biochemistry biomechanics so physics like psycho so, so uh, psycho um yeah physiological like all they all just link back to each yeah. other um but as you said kind of going into the posture side yeah look about, at that. give us about like ribs the, yeah let's say. what's linked you know people in terms of posture i think that i've certainly had this myself around going like i've not like anything you understand something at a level and then mm -hmm. you like, go okay i think i get this and you know i've worked as a strength and conditioning coach and we mm -hmm. do posture assessments squat assessments we're looking at it, okay i can see that when you're doing that there's probably that the, these are these muscles are weak and maybe tight or whatever and we need to work on these things we try and balance things out and something we never got taught on on any of our strength and conditioning um education was breathing based um and the only thing that we'd get taught about breathing was like to brace for heavy lifts yeah um and posture wise and like assessments wise we'd be looking at ankles we're looking at knees we're looking at hips we'd look at the spine we'd look at the shoulder we'd look at the neck we'd look at the ribs we wouldn't look at no. the rib cage and just talk to talk to us about how the because i mentioned there the, the sort of forward and tilted position of the, of yeah. the rib cage talk to us about because it's quite opposite to say like a kythotic position talk to us a bit about how how important or maybe i'm wrong but i'm feeling that in the stuff that i've been doing more recently 
the position of my if I get the position of my rib cage right, mm-hmm. everything else feel like I literally have immediately more range of motion in my hips yeah. and my shoulders. Like so, I feel better. I feel everything like gone you you so you, you can't through. have so this is one of the things about like you know it's that old trope of everything's connected and you know we've got the foot bones connected to the arm bone or whatever it is but like uh, yeah, that's but you cannot have so and this is one of the problems where most people who end up coming to see me if i'm the last port of call for most people because they've yeah. tried everything but what most people don't realize is just that if your i mean let's say low back pain it's the biggest thing that puts most people off work in the world like in the western world it's the biggest insurance um thing for in america most people are like off work with back pain and so they go and see physios ot whatever it might be i'm not going to slag off physios because you know they do a great job you, for the most part <laughs> so i do work with some yep um but the problem is you end up very much looking at the thing that hurts and even like I've literally just posted um, a thing today about a guy who he's spent thousands at physios and he kept having repeated uh, left knee, left calf and some other bits and pieces. And then you saw how he stood. And so I'm going to just quickly stand up for anybody who's watching. I know, but yeah. he basically stood so far forward and then so far to one side that his ability. So if, anyone's listening you can kind of you can try they can, watch, you, they can watch on youtube as well yeah. yeah but if you just stand up and if you stick your head let's say we'll go up to the head as an easy thing while we're on video if you stick your head into a slouch position and we can do the opposite in a minute with um, as far as ribs concerned flared ribs but if you push your chin forward and you and you come into like a text neck slouch mm-hmm. position then you try to look left then you try to look right and then you come back to center and you kind of see, okay, that's how much I could move. And then if you imagine you've got a, a little string, like marionette string on the back of your head and you pull yourself nice and tall, you've got a long neck. You're not tucking your chin down and say you're moving it back. So you just ended up sitting super tall. Then you look left again and then you look right again and you'll notice you have yeah. vastly <laughs> twice as much movement. Exactly. So then if we then bring this, so for one, let's say you've ended up similar position to let's say you have. Can I just say, can I say one thing on protecting um, ourselves and also all the amazing physios that are out there? This is not a physio. Th- it just so happens this guy has seen a physio. It's Absolutely. Just the person that's seen him, for whatever reason, hasn't had the experience or the education in maybe be able to see what is the root problem of this so it's and you know you can it's sometimes see look at things with physio, a different it's just it's, it's not to do sometimes with physio, look at things through a different t- lens different yeah, exactly. lens and you know what I mean so you know for me it's always been there's always something else I can try yeah. to learn and whatever else and so there's amazing physios out there and I work with some who are like unreal um but that reduced range of motion let's say through the head so then how does that affect our rib cage so and this goes back to how our breathing is then affecting our everything if our head is stacked on top of our shoulders on top of our ribs and then our ribs are actually stacked on top of our pelvis yeah let's say in perfect center their ability 
to move in a sagittal plane so they can extend and be lifted but they can also flex and be uh, post um, anterior tilt so posterior tilt anterior tilt and then they could also laterally flex and laterally flex and rotate and rotate as soon if we take that principle of where our head sits and how how much that reduces range of motion it happens everywhere and so every every joint every single joint every literally every if you have a big toe you can look down if you've got a bunion that bunion is there for a reason because there's reduced range of motion in other joints for 90 plus percent you've picked, of the you've time. picked a good one as well because let's not go down that rabbit hole but just you picked a good one because a lot of the time people say oh i've got a bunion because my mum had a bunion exactly and most of the time it's it's not it's because you could be walk, but yeah it, well it could but, but you probably not, watched your mother walk and i like your picked... mother walk and that's caused the pain yeah yeah, yeah how yeah, you've exactly. learned to walk but so when our breathing if we don't begin to address how our body works on and off axis so on axis as i say is head sitting nicely on shoulders sitting nicely on hips sitting nicely over our ankles we're gonna really struggle to move breath around our body and you might find yes and this is you you can find that if you i don't know teach someone put a strap around them get that proprioceptive feedback into their ribs into their low ribs you can begin to get some better movement, which will then actually give you better range of motion in your neck, which will give you, you know, a better sliding and gliding of your scapula over your spine, which will then give you a better external internal rotation of your shoulder down to your hand. And all of a sudden your wrist pain has gone purely through being able to extend your ribs through breathing. I've got an example of I'm and it, you, your yoga. I'm, not yoga, but yeah. I, um, Aesthetics, it's, it's I did a, a, you know, I apply in applying just some rib cage positioning into my down dog. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I literally, as I'm in my down dog, and then I like, you know, my rib cage, uh, for whatever, what, for, for whatever reason, the, the cause, etc. But my tendency is for it to be forward and tilted. Mm-hmm. And then when I pull it back and stack it, my down dog is like, I look Boom. like I'm actually doing yoga, <laughs> you know, and I've probably spent the last 10 years since I finished playing rugby being like, Oh, I'm tight because of this, that, the other. And it's like, yeah, that all those things are true, but also you've had your root cage in a terrible position. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. that's going to affect things. It does. And, and it really does. And the ribs are probably one of there's such, so there's three, the three main structures I look at for my, for a big chunk of my work is the skull, the rib cage and the pelvis. And what we need to be able to do is have all three of those things moving together as and when they need to in all three planes of motion. And most often, like the ribs are, well, they're stuck between our head and our pelvis. And and, um, sorry, my great Danes decided to come in. Um, So in your situation, head injury in some, you know, and probably you're in your situation as well because you play rugby knee ankle toes hips like bangs wallops injuries insults so these things both get insulted from above and below and then the thing in the middle has to somehow work out somewhere to be in relation to them so you know i kind of always say that you can kind of people can maybe try and do this if they want if there's one piece of advice and exercise i would give to 95 percent. this is my last question it was like go on give it what how do we assess our okay our posture 
Cool. So 95% of the Western world, if they did some variation of this, would probably get massive benefits. Okay. So all you're going to do is you're going to stand against a wall. Your feet are going to be an inch or two away from the wall, just so they're under your hips, essentially. They don't need to be behind you. They're going to be under your hips. And your bum, so your heel, so your heel is a, is a couple of inches away from the wall. Yeah. Yes. Cool. Um, I'll close the door in That's a second. Right. No, no, just, no. Just, to, just, just describe it. Describe it. So from there, basically what you're going to do, and you might find that to try and get your head on the wall, you actually have to tilt your head back, which yeah. is going to give us an idea of how out of place your skull is compared to your rib cage, because yeah. it should just, it should all just lean and just stack perfectly from there bum back and head feet just away from the wall you're going to imagine that very back of your head so your occiput that lumpy kind of bit on the back of your head if you run your hand down the back of your head you'll feel a little kind of lumpy bit yeah. from that that's the bit which is going to be going to try and get that to slide up the wall and as you're watching this here you can potentially see purely the act of me sliding my head yeah. up the wall will begin to lift my rib cage. And then you can do it the other way and you'll feel the rib cage drop. And so all of a sudden, this simple thing as we, this is an anterior tilt, so the chin down, back of the head up, will lift the rib cage. And then that will, as you'll begin to feel it against the wall, you'll begin to feel your pelvis drop into an anterior tilt as well. So the pelvis rolls yeah. forward. So now all of a sudden, the entirety of the spine is getting an equal amount of, extension because we're keeping bum and back against the wall if you start to lose one part it will show which parts of your back are um are working excessively and then you can kind of begin to go in and out and as you as a final little thing there's two ways you can do it you can begin to bring your arms into the game as well so as you slide your head up you should begin to feel that shoulders begin to roll back and down yeah. and so then all of a sudden your shoulder blades you can feel them coming into the middle of your back so now all of a sudden scapulas are coming into that retraction into that kind of uh, uh, downward, downward um, rotation and so you're getting all of this movement through the spine as this lifts up and you could then if you i'm going to hold my hands out in front but if you imagine they're down by your side and through the middle of your finger there's like a laser beam and so as you slide up you rotate the arms outwards you're going to get more rotation more lift more height and all of your body all of your rib cage is going to be stacked and then all of a sudden you can turn it back in and your head will slide in the opposite direction again because you're doing it against the wall you're staying yeah. on axis and then you kind of go backwards and forwards and you can do it with the breath so as you breathe in you expand and you feel that extra space you've got as you yeah. breathe out you feel the ribs contract and you, just briefly just very briefly the other way you can do it is rather than rotating you can imagine you're like iron man and you've kind of got like the little things shooting out of his hands but you can kind of push down with the hands this is just another slightly different way of uh doing the same work but you can slide up and you can gently press your hands down yeah and the extension of the wrist has a knock-on effect all the way up through the neck and into your hyoid and all sorts of other pieces yeah. bits and pieces so for any um, of the for listeners that aren't following like it's there is a video on uh, the, the spotify has a video as well as it's this is on youtube it will be perfect um for a vision for those that are like right go back and find it on on youtube and and have a look at the the visuals the other thing i was thinking as you're going for this i was like oh 
do you have a, t- a tutorial or do you have a video on either Instagram or YouTube that we could put in the show notes that people could I'm click to? I'm pretty certain I should have one on YouTube. I'll double okay. check. If you and don't, if, then if make I don't, one. I'll record one now. It'd be a good idea to make one. It's not for me, but for... for, for I think I did one on on uh, Instagram like a while back, but I'll um, I'll find it on. I'm, I've definitely no, I definitely got one on YouTube. I've okay, definitely, send I've me send the link. I'll put the link. We'll put the link in for YouTube. I'll make a note of that. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Um, right. And as I say, that do it with the breath. You get full lung inhalation. You get a full lung exhalation because again, if we go back to so many like breathing conditions, there's a big chunk of people who can't actually empty their lungs. So being able to use the biomechanics of essentially squishing your lungs with your rib cage can help you exhale more which helps to layman's terms empty the like the stagnant stuff from the base of your lungs and it really does help that's one of the biggest things for people i've worked with with copd is emptying their lungs and they just their tolerance goes through the roof awesome awesome um hugely hugely insightful and um, i hope everyone listening has enjoyed this as as much as i have uh, it's always great to, to talk and connect with you for yeah, people man, wanting too. they're like yeah i want a bit more wibs i want more wibs in my life where <laughs> where, where should people we'll put these links in the show notes but just give yourself a shout out where can people see what you're so my main place is instagram as most people's is and that is uh slightly long but it's wib so w-i-b underscore move dot breathe dot live bit of a mouthful but basically my thing is move breathe live because that's my it's my uh podcast is move breathe live yeah um and i swear that if you can move and breathe better you're going to live a much happier healthier life so um with underscore move breathe live my youtube page i think is wibs w-i-b-b-s yoga all one word yeah um I've got a Facebook, which is Mandukya Yoga, but that's, I don't really use it at all. Um, I'll give it to you anyway. It's spelt in a ridiculous way. Um, okay. we'll, <laughs> between we'll put, Wibs and Mandukya, no one can ever find me. So yeah, we'll put, um, we'll put the links in the show notes. So we'll make sure we do that. For you. That'd so, be amazing. Thank you, mate. Yeah, please. Um, yeah, please. Uh, everyone listening, you know, massive thank you uh, from me to, to everyone for listening, but for the listeners from yeah, thank and you me. Thank you, Wibs, for uh, taking the time to impart your wisdom. And um, yeah, I look forward to hearing from people listening as to what they what they found interesting from this podcast episode, what you um, what you've learned, what you're actually going to put into place for yourself. And if you you know do any of the exercises with the breathing to help with pain, like, you know, let us know, let Wibs know, let yeah, me yeah. know, like, how is that? How is that helping? If you if you're doing anything, playing around with some of those postural movements, um, noticing how your ribcage position does improve how you move and how you feel like let us know we'd love to we'd love to hear from you and i will happily if you if anything brings up any questions and they they're trying it and they're stuck and even if they watch the video and they get stuck um just drop me a line and i'll just i'll happily chat away and just i can talk about this all day as you can probably notice but um yeah yeah thank you so much for having me on mate no thanks for having you take care mate cheers buddy bye so there we have it. I hope you enjoyed that podcast episode. Um, yeah, I've connected with Wibs a number of times and um, it's always such a great bloke to talk to. Great heart, uh, great knowledge and um, yeah, someone that cares about the people that he works with and the work that he's doing. And it's a man after my own heart. So um, I've got nothing really other to say to you than um, thank you for listening. Please review if you haven't done yet. Um, let us know what you think of it. Reach out either to Wibs or myself, maybe on Instagram, do a little screenshot, share that, put the podcast on, 
What did you find most helpful? Has it helped you with pain? Maybe take a few times, take a few weeks or a few uh, days to try and put some of those things into practice that Wibbs have put. Check out the links in the show notes to the YouTube video that he recommended as well. And uh, I look forward to seeing you or hearing from you um, and potentially um, hearing you. I look forward to you hearing who the next guest is going to be. Who is it going to be? We shall see. Um, but I can promise you it's going to be um, another cracker. So uh, you've been listening. I've been Jacko. I know my tagline now. Until next time, keep it nasal. <laughs>